0: Hi everyone, today is our special compilation episode, a recap if you will, of all the movies we've seen in 2021 that we have not yet reviewed on Filmscape. new no,
1: Ben, so What has been your viewpoint of the movies that have come out this year? I mean, because it's not yet the end of the year, because there's some movies that will come out around Christmas, so we might review them, you know, obviously in 2022, but what are your thoughts generally about the types of movies that have come out this year and your general consensus?
0: I think 2021 was definitely a better year for movies than 2020. Oh, yeah. Pretty much any year is better for movies than 2020.
1: That was a really hard year for movies. Hard year for
0: everybody. So I'm not entirely... It's music, too. That was probably my least favorite year for music, also. But this year has been much better. So that's good.
1: We also have to consider, in 2020, there were so many movies that were supposed to come out in 2020. Right. A bunch of
0: these were supposed to come out last year. Yeah,
1: I mean, there were a lot of movies that really had the potential to be great for 2020 and to make 2020 a lot better but because of course capitalism they're so focused on money that they did not release them so we had to wait
0: yeah the only blockbuster was tenant they tried that in theaters and it did good for a pandemic but yeah. I mean it didn't like make a yeah. profit or anything I don't think and right. maybe it made its money back that was actually my favorite movie of last year and every other year, If I named like my favorite movie of every year, going back decades and decades, I'm pretty sure I'd like all of them more than Tenet. I liked Tenet a lot, but I think that was mainly because it was such a play year. There was so little. I probably watched more TV than movies. But this year's different. There was all the holdovers from 2020, and then movies that were supposed to come out in 2021 as well. Yep. We've had a lot of great picks that we've been able to review, especially I would say the past couple months on the show. There's still more great ones to come, but this seemed like a a good time to just catch up on a bunch that we didn't get an opportunity to talk about to get their own episode. And a lot of these, there's just not enough to say for a full episode. We'll just kind of go through them quickly. Similar to our Oscars episode from earlier this year. I'm pretty sure none of the the movies on this list will be involved with the Oscars. Maybe a couple of them, but most of these are smaller Or they're weird. I mean, certainly not for the big awards. We
1: think there will be a couple, probably.
0: I have a sense that a couple of these, especially toward the end of the year, all the Oscar movies come out at the end of the year. In the fall and and in December. And then January and February is just like a wasteland. These are are more niche, smaller movies of of all kinds. We're going to kind of blow through a bunch of these because I I feel very whatever about a bunch of these movies, but they're interesting and and some people might get more out of them. But some of them I really, really liked. I would like to start with my favorite of all of these, of this bunch in the recap, my favorite movie of them all. One of my favorite movies of 2021. That would be Lamb.
1: I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I was like, if I could bet a bunch of money, it would be Lamb.
0: So another creepy A24 movie.
1: So we love creepy things.
0: We love creepy A24 movies. And this is the one for 2020. Well, actually, The Green Knight was the one for 2021. And that is my favorite movie of the year. But this is an even more low-key, subtle, small-scale, creepy A24 movie of the year. If you like Hereditary, if you like The Witch, I got a lot of The Witch vibes. Yeah. And um, just things like that right up there with that. It was described... As a domestic family drama with a surreal element thrown in. And I would say it's probably like a little more mostly like a family drama, but there's definitely weird surreal things going on. I wouldn't really call it a horror movie, but on the other hand, I don't really know what else to call it. Yeah. Um, It's different. The tone, at least, and the way it plays out and what the supernatural element is. Right. It's like The Witch, where in broad strokes, it's, it's basically like a family disintegrating in a way and falling apart in the middle of nowhere while there's this vague force of evil that's preying on them. And throughout the movie, you slowly get clues and things develop in a weird, weird ways. What happens is it's about a farming couple. Numi Rapace is the lead from the Swedish Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies and Prometheus and a bunch of stuff. They have a bunch of sheep and goats and, and farm animals. One day, a lamb is giving birth. They're pulling out the lamb from the mother. And then you gradually find... They don't show you. I like how, how much they don't show. You find out that it has the head of a lamb, but pretty much all the body of a human baby, except for a um, one arm that's like a, a leg and a hoof.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like there's a hoof that's an arm and then like a human arm for the like other arm.
0: Yeah, so, and, then, yeah. And, then, and then all the way down, it's a human. Yeah. So if you've seen... We're not spoiling anything that's not in the trailer. In the trailer, you see it as a, like a toddler, and it's in human clothes, but it's a lamb head. Yeah. And um, the trailer was super bizarre, and I was very intrigued. They were yeah. playing a Beach Boys song over it. So yeah. um, it's, it's not comedic. The movie's not comedic, though. It's yeah, very it's, dour.
1: Yeah, I mean... It's
0: slow. It's slow burn.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's weird because the trailer gave me so much anxiety... Yeah. <laughs> and it kept making me just feel so nervous to watch the movie. It is a beautifully shot movie. The vistas of Iceland, it really makes you feel like you could be there. It just seems so crisp and
0: And apparently Numi Rapace is from Iceland. And I think she left and went to I know that she grew up in Iceland for a for yes. a long period of time and she knows the language because she we talked go. about it. I don't know the timeline of her life, but right. that's the point is that she grew up she's in Iceland really cool. for a lar- large amount of time. So it's cool that she's there. And I think all the other actors are Icelandic. It's not an English language movie. No. It's in Icelandic. It does proceed like a domestic drama. That's kind of what's going on because I think that the husband's brother comes. I don't remember these people's names, but um, he comes. It's not really that important. And and there's this like love triangle thing going on. He kind of lusts after Noomi Rapace, and she keeps telling him to get out of here. He's kind of a scoundrel. He's a screw up, <laughs> but yeah, he uh, is though. But there is this kind of looming, you know, it, it's unnerving is the word for this movie. And what happens at the end is is definitely is, is pretty crazy. So um, I this is a movie that just read as little about it as possible and just go in go in fresh like that we did. That is
1: that's a great recommendation honestly because
0: even the trailer that, I thought showed too much as many trailers do now.
1: Yeah. But it it was
0: fine. It was But it was I think okay. it
1: but I also think that it didn't but it it was good in a way where it didn't reveal there's still enough that you don't know of course where then when things unfold you're still so shocked and so you're still left speechless in kind of what's lying wait in the end. Yeah. But we both loved this movie.
0: I would absolutely recommend it. It's not really a horror movie so don't expect you know people getting hacked apart every five minutes and blood splattering the screen and chainsaws and you know all that crap it's a creepy supernatural drama you know it's not as crazy as hereditary or something it's a very interesting movie so yeah that's lamb
1: what were your thoughts about werewolves within
0: i barely remember it i watched it a while ago it's this goofy murder mystery comedy in the vein of like an Agatha Christie story. The stars are the really lovable nice guy from Veep and the AT and T commercial girl. Those are the two leads, and so they're all spunky and um, it's very like quirky and, and it was it wasn't really my kind of humor. You might like it. I don't know. I wasn't crazy about it. It was it was okay. I think it's more for like 13-year-olds because it's, it's very like high energy and kind of annoying. So it wasn't really exactly my kind of humor, but it wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't stupid or um, useless or anything. There are these murders happening in this um small like hotel in wintry up in north somewhere. And these people are all gathered and they're all have different personalities. And there's these murders that happen and it looks like they're being people are being eaten by werewolves. And it's like one at a time. People are getting picked off. The people there don't know what's going on. They're all kind of freaking out. And so there are these people. They're all trapped and freaking out about if there's a werewolf on the loose. So the whole movie, you don't know if there's really a werewolf or if it's like a psycho or you know just some kind of animal doing that or what. It's entertaining enough.
1: Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, yeah. That movie was very quirky. You think? Yeah. <laughs> of course, you know, it's based off of an SNL skit, right?
0: It seemed like the most SNL thing I've ever seen. So yeah, but it's, but it's just
1: like a feature length film. I found it kind of funny. And it was just one of those things that it wasn't like the best thing that I've seen. But it, <laughs> of course, but it was nice to watch it when, you know, just like out of my own boredom. <laughs> but I did laugh. There's Kristen Wiig and the other actress.
0: They both wrote Bridesmaids.
1: Yes, that is true.
0: But this movie is nothing like Bridesmaids. Yes, it's completely nothing. different. And I, I love Bridesmaids. And this is a totally different. Yeah. I mean, it's ten years later. Yeah, they play. A, they
1: play like forty-something-year-old Midwestern,
0: like single women. S- yeah, single who are... women
1: who are like homely and have like short hair, and they decide that they're that they're very they're kind of living in this very routine life. That they decide, oh, we need to go on a vacation, and we need to go and have fun. So they decide as best friends to go on vacation, and then all these shenanigans happen. But
0: yeah, but th- this. The thing about this movie, you really have to watch the trailer to get what this (laughs) movie is because these aren't like people. This movie is so heightened and it's so stylish and it's so just like SNL sketch. It's literally an SNL sketch stretched to feature length. Like these people have literally walked out of like a Coen Brothers movie, even more exaggerated than like the people in like Fargo. Yep. Oh, you betcha. And, you know, all that stuff. I don't know if it takes place in like the 80s. It's super bright and colorful and like Candyland-ish. The visual style and it's fantastical. It's this total... True. It's You just have to oh, be on a, on a wavelength. It's nonsense. And <laughs> I, I liked it. There were some parts that were so funny. Most of it was just kind of whatever. It's just very goofy and whatever. But um, I actually liked the movie. And as I think we've said before, this is a, this is a totally dead time for comedies. There haven't been mainstream comedies in years. And the ones that do come out are just like flop. For what it's worth, this is one of the better comedy movies I've seen right. since COVID started that have come out. Have yeah. been, I'm sure COVID killed them even more because no one's going to the theater. I would recommend Barb and Star Go to visit <laughs> Del Mar, especially to older women, people who grew up in the 80s.
1: The Guilty, this guy who's, he used to be a detective. It's played by Jake Gyllenhaal and he's a 911 operator and he answers a phone call from a woman and it seems as though she's sounds like she's in the car with her husband and she's audibly stressed and she sounds like she's being kept hostage by her husband and so she's being assisted by the 911 operator safety sensitive profession and then taking it to a different level and with him he takes it to a different level where he it becomes personal And then it ends up becoming deadly.
0: He gets this call and gets very wrapped up in it. And she keeps having to hang up and then call back or get back into communication with her because this guy is holding her hostage or so we think. The whole movie takes place in your head. It's just Jake Gyllenhaal and then the other people who work at the 911 call center. That's kind of the gimmick of it. Not the gimmick, but just the way the story plays out. And this is a remake, I think, of a European movie, maybe a Danish movie. I don't know. I'm guessing it's basically the same thing. So I guess this is for people who don't want to read subtitles. Because I can't really imagine the story going much differently in, like, another movie. We both enjoyed it well enough. I liked it. Jake Gyllenhaal. He's always good. It's on Netflix, so if you have Netflix, it's free. Check that out if you want a uh, 911 call thriller movie. It's great for people who like uh, listening to, like, stories on podcasts, like crime stories or books on tape. It's literally like that, except you're watching character dealing with it
1: but if you can't handle people crying just like hearing people crying and not seeing them it might become annoying to you because i i can see it becoming annoying to some some <laughs> yeah it's like
0: there's only yeah, so that much that lap, i can honey. listen to you know I know. um so <laughs> I was
1: like, that's so annoying i can't watch this
0: yeah. I
1: was dying. My mom was like, I can't watch this shit. This is too annoying. I was like, oh my God, I'm dying.
0: So that was the guilty. And um, <laughs> at least you don't have to see all their snot and um, <laughs> and mucus all over down their face. Uh, it's just, you got to imagine it. On to another crime kind of movie, but very different. Cry Macho. Clint Eastwood directed, starred in, it's an adaptation of a, a book, I think. And uh, at the age of 90, now 91, Clint Eastwood made this film. It's a very traditional, laid-back road movie where um, he plays a a rancher, retired, of course. He has to help his friend get this Mexican kid out of Mexico that I, I think someone someone had it legitimately or something and his mother he's living with his mother in like a brothel or something and she's completely insane so he has to go down there and get her because if, if the father goes I don't know she's gonna like kidnap him or something so he just goes and gets it and then the whole movie if you've seen the trailer it's like he's bonding with the kid and the kid has this pet chicken and it's a soft cuddly Clint Eastwood movie it's one of those this movie is fine perfectly acceptable road movie Certainly not one of my favorite movies that he's directed or anything, because he's a fantastic filmmaker and actor, of course. It's more just, like, he's such a legend, and I I have utmost respect for him. So it was just cool to check it out and just see, like, he's just still going. Like, how many 90-year-old guys who were in movies in the mid-20th century are still doing this? So I think Clint Eastwood is is awesome, but this is a more laid-back kind of comedy-drama-bonding road movie.
1: I can imagine that there are some older viewers who might like it more than some younger ones potentially because especially if they've seen more movies with him and they've seen this evolution of him like over time where maybe they have this appreciation for this different relationship that he's having in this movie it might speak to them more I'm not sure
0: it's very traditional. It's very nothing that surprising happens. If anything, though, the the ending—it's just the ending was very anticlimactic. What happens to the kid was just a, a little unexpected. Where I was like, oh, that's it. Nothing bad happens. But it was just like a kind of a non-ending. I liked it a little less because of that. But it's just very lightweight. It's perfectly fine.
1: Within the heights, it featured lots of. Of course, it was as a musical. Lots of talent, lots of singing, dancing. And it was in Washington Heights in New York City. And it was the story of this guy as he finds his way. And I think what really sticks out to me is kind of the development of the characters try to keep Washington Heights alive by trying to keep saying its name so it stays alive. It has maybe one Afro-Latina actress, but it was a very good musical film that explored, you know, romance and this development of a relationship. And it is based off of a stage musical and starred Anthony Ramos. It is a predominantly Dominican community. Basically, everyone is just, they're trying to pursue their dreams for a better life. But I really liked the exploration of those themes. And people also trying to think of what would they do if they had more money or like, you know, things like that. But I think that this is a great movie for people to watch to kind of have more perspectives of I guess the experience in Washington Heights for some people. I know that with Lin Manuel Miranda, one thing that they did say about it is that he would actively try to include more Afro-Latinos within potentially maybe more productions because I think there was only one and I know with Dominicans there's a lot more Afro-Latinos than what this production included. That was just something that I thought about, but it was great, and I I do recommend this.
0: No sudden move was a quality film by one Steven Soderbergh. He makes a movie every year, sometimes on his iPhone. He likes to experiment and whatnot. But uh, no sudden move is a classic period crime drama movie. Don Cheadle, Benicio del Toro, David Harbour, John Hamm, Brendan Fraser, and then a few few actors. Guest star, great cast in the 50s about gangster who is threatening a family that's involved in this blackmail scheme. There's all kinds of the father has to run back because he's kind of involved and everything goes wrong. It's kind of a classic crime thriller, very of the time, kind of a throwback. Very solid. I liked it a lot. Saw it on HBO Max, might be on there. Next, uh, sort of... Similar, but not really, is um, The Card Counter, starring Oscar Isaac, a very serious crime drama. This is a Paul Schrader movie, who, um, if you don't know that name, he is the screenwriter of Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, Martin Scorsese films, and um, he's also a, a quality director in his own right. A uh, movie that Deanna and I really like, that we saw from him, was First Reformed, starring Ethan Hawke. Very interesting psychological drama about a conflicted priest and there's these themes of like terrorism and all this stuff in that very interesting so this is his follow-up a bit different it's about a gambler who used to be in the military who learned how to count cards while he worked at a abu grabe prisoner facility and he was involved in all these interrogation techniques. You see these really, like, stylized flashbacks to that. He's tormented. His name's William Tell. He goes from town to town, counting cards, and get in gambles all day. That's his profession. And as you could imagine, he has the, you know, buddies that he meets up with uh, in various places. And this is kind of his life. One day, there's this kind of protege, Cirque, Kirk, uh, I forget how you say it, played by Ty Sheridan. And... He tracks William down because he knows that William's commanding officer was responsible for... He basically wants to get his hands on William's commanding officer, who's played by Willem Dafoe, who himself is in, like, six movies a year. Willem! Yeah, most of them good. You know, you can always find a quality movie when you look at what Willem Dafoe has been doing lately. Of course, he plays a villainous character in this, as usual. And Ty Sheridan wants to track him down because... His father had worked with William Tell in the interrogation facility, and it kind of drove him crazy, and he eventually killed himself. So Kirk is, he kind of blames him for that. So he's trying to get William to help him track that guy down. So William finds himself being his mentor, teaches him gambling and all this stuff. So let's just say, given Paul Schrader's filmography, this movie is very, very serious. It's very intense, very grim. So if you're in the mood for that kind of just super know, th- thrilling crime drama, Oscar <laughs> Isaac with his intense face and everything. I love uh, Oscar Isaac. I know. I, I love him too. Yeah, he's great in this. I liked Card Counter a lot. Man haunted by his sordid past. War crimes and all this stuff. Trying to run away from his the actions he's done and everything. It's that kind of movie. It's psychological. It's, um, it feels like a movie from the 70s. Next up, something completely different. The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne, starring Benedict Cumberbatch as an eccentric painter who popularized keeping house cats as pets in England with his super whimsical, dreamy paintings of cats doing all these wacky things and um, kind of saturated, but also very bright and shiny kind of color palette. It's a really pretty movie. It's like a biopic, but um, it's a little different. It's stylized, it shows how he grew up, and he has mental issues, and he has this big family and this overbearing. He has to look after his mother and five sisters as an artist. He gets a job as an illustrator at a newspaper. He falls in love with the new governess of his sisters, so it's a very sweet movie. Benedict Cumberbatch gives a really great performance. It's on Amazon Prime, I think. I would definitely recommend that. I enjoyed it a lot.
1: By Film Booze, if you want to contact us with any questions or comments or thoughts on the film, you can reach us at filmscaped at gmail.com. That's F-I-L-M-S-C-A-P-E-D at gmail.com. We have a website called filmscapepodcast.com. We also have an Instagram at Filmscape podcast, which you should definitely follow if you are not already. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe
0: on the podcast platform of your choice.
1: Thanks.